Pod. Pod. All right. So, how was the road trip? Well, it sucked. Welcome to Havlicek Stole the Pod. We have a name, Chris. What do you think of that? We one? got a name. So, who gets Shout credit out for Bill that? Shout out That's Bill Sy. Bill Sy. Yeah. Right. So, that's the official podcast the Celtics blog for the moment and I have more to come there were some there were shout out there I mean the suggestions were really really good there were some really good ones I think Havlicek stole the pod is probably the best one and that's why we chose it but I mean talk you cowards talk you cowards was really good and that was Andrew Doxy right I I forget I don't know who put it out there but it was whoever did that I mean there was just some really really good names but Havlicek stole the pod is nice and timeless and and I think that was uh, I think that was our best bet. And, <laughs> and we couldn't use Celtics Pod because there might be multiple podcasts. But uh, Jeff wanted Celtics Pod, so <laughs> Celtics very- Pod was a good one too. There was also Jeff Clark for president was one of the suggestions on in the comment section. So that was a that was up there too. I, I don't think Jeff would have been crazy about you know the podcast being titled Jeff Clark for president, but I would have been in favor. That's just me. But either way, we uh, we're recording this on. Man, I don't even know what day it is today. It is Tuesday, January fifteenth. Like uh, yeah, I'm like Robert Williams, man. I I got back from the road trip this morning. I took a a two forty five a.m. train back from New York City last night. Got back to Boston this morning. The heat broke on my train on the way back, so it was like an ice box. I didn't the know they did trains at two forty five. Yeah, well, neither did I, and and I found out the hard way that they do. I took it because I thought, you know, it would be great to get back just right after the game and save a little money on a hotel, but I can honestly say if Amtrak or anyone with Amtrak is listening, I will never, ever, ever take your 2.45 a.m. train ever again. Oh, so, the heat, so it was pretty much like the Polar Express with no Christmas and no heat. It, it was the Polar Express with zero fun and coming off of three straight losses. So <laughs> that, it was it it was a miserable Polar Express. And that's pretty much how winter is after Christmas and the holidays because it just becomes a tundra for three months without anything to look forward to. Especially yeah, when the <laughs> especially when the basketball teams are playing the way they have between the Celtics and my Syracuse team. But they and, beat Duke. Yeah, last shout night. out shout out Syracuse, that's right. <laughs> They they lose to Georgia Tech and then they beat Duke, which is the most Syracuse thing ever. So shout Very, out to them. That's why I missed the Nets game last night, but you got to see it in all its glory. But let's take it all the way back to the beginning of the end of the last homestand and then the beginning of this road trip that we went out to. Because we can touch on Indiana for just a minute. That was their mm. best win of the season right there. All the wings scored double figures. Everybody got involved. They blow out one of the top teams in the East. I know they weren't a back-to-back. But right there I say, you know what? This team, they put the consistency issues behind them. They're figuring out the lineup issue. They've moved into the top 10 offense, defense. And now they got the effort thing solved. So this team is fixed. They're moving to the top. And then Seriously. you guys that, hit that, the you guys hit the skies and it all falls down. Yeah, it fell down pretty quick. I mean, after that game on Wednesday night, it did. They scored a season high 135 points. I think they shot like 58 percent from the field. Their passing was nearly perfect again. I think they finished with. Let me take a look here. They finished yeah 30 plus assists again. That was their fourth straight win. Things were like flying high, and there was a chance. You know, maybe they dropped the game in Miami because it was the second night of a back-to-back. But worse comes to worse, 
they were going to go two and one on this road trip, right? Like with the way they were playing, there was no way that they could go zero and three. It was just not a possibility. But like you said, we hit the skies. We got to Miami on Thursday morning. The team got there Wednesday night, and it all started to burn down relatively quickly. It was, I mean, it wasn't necessarily like a, you know, a calling for you know, a a crisis in Miami after that loss, because first off the video of Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown in the huddle hadn't really surfaced yet. And it just seemed like a bad game on the second night of a back-to-back. I was not concerned at the final whistle of that game. I don't know about you, but I, I just thought it was just a bad game. They were tired. They looked like a team on the second night of a back-to-back and that's just kind of how I took it. Especially when I saw Horford struggling in that game because he had some off passes, a struggled yeah. night from the field. He he struggled from three all year long, but it was especially bad in that game. So things just looked like a fatigue issue, like you said right I, there. And a Miami just, issue too, because as you guys know, Miami's a fun city. It's a fun city, yeah. And we, we found out for real quick also, in that Miami game, I don't know if you watched it, but I saw more bad misses from both teams in that game, I think, than I've ever seen in my entire life. There were so many air balls combined and so many like just bricks off of the backboard that I, it, w- it was amazing. It was it was honestly terrible to watch. But um, yeah, so after the game, it was kind of a weird situation, right? So they lose, but um, everyone's kind of focused on the court. You've got Terry getting D Wade's jersey. You know, Al Horford exchanging jerseys with, uh, you know, another Florida Gator and Udonis Haslam, and things were fine, right? And that was another thing. <laughs> seeing seeing Dwayne Wade throw it back five, six years and take it to them, going right at uh, Roger, who idolized him in that second half, was just really sad to see, too, because you had an exhausted team on both sides. Like you said, shots missing like crazy, but Dwayne yeah. Wade's playing like he's 30 again. Which was, I mean, some some people might some people might not like this, but I was I was almost giddy watching him do that live and in person. When I was a kid, Dwayne Wade was my favorite player. Like, say like bar, none. bar none, yeah, I'm basically Terry Rozier. So I, he was he was like my favorite player, bar none. And so being able to see him do that live was for me really really cool. But. But the Celtics, obviously not. Because the one you gotta, player who, no matter how long he plays, will scare me to the day he retires. Every time going against him, all these years, Celtics heat. And even that one year he was with the Cavs and the Bulls, still crazy played for the Bulls. Yeah, wow, scary sure. player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just a gamer. He's a gamer. But So we get into the locker room, actually just prior to getting into the locker room. We're walking in. And Kyrie scoots out by us. So, you know, we're about to walk in. They open it up for us. And he scoots right in front of us and kind of down the hall. He had a basketball in his hand and just a, just a cutoff on. So we, some of us thought he was going to, you know, maybe get something signed from Dwayne Wade or go do something with Wade since there was a lot of that stuff going on. A couple of the Miami beat reporters assumed that he was going to shoot. And after a while, that kind of became the assumption in the locker room. While you're in the locker room, you have your – you have your phone on do not disturb. You have your phone on silent and you're not, you know, you're checking Twitter every now and again, but you're talking with players. You're taught, you're going through press scrums. So you're not really interacting with the outside world as much. Mm -hmm. And so when that video of Jalen Brown and Marcus Morris surfaced, most of us in the locker room had no idea. And no one noticed that in real time, huh? No one noticed it in real time. I mean, where our seats were, we were behind the bench, but we were up about midway through that, middle section but still no one noticed the the thing 
the reason why no one noticed is because it was a segment of the third or the second quarter when they bring out whenever they bring out Miami's dance team, they turn off all the lights in the arena. Yeah. And that was one of those timeouts. So you can't see anything on the court besides the dancers in the center. And so I'm assuming that's why they were kind of able to get away with it besides that guy who had his camera rolling. Um, but so the main focus of that locker room was Kyrie's postgame workout. And I mean, it was cool. He was talking about, you know, shooting around after the game, being a stress reliever and saying he just wanted to get some extra shots up, feel good going into the next game. And he didn't want to go out in Miami. He said he'd rather be there. So that was kind of our reaction. And then we left and we saw the video. So what was your reaction when you saw Morris in the Browns? It was was kind of like the Trump hamburger dinner, right? Just to flex the attention elsewhere. Literally. literally. (laughs) But anyway, I, I was concerned because... I didn't take it as this team's having some chemistry issues right there, and obviously it built up over the next few days. But the one thing that I thought this team had figured out, even through the disjointed lineups that they were dealing with and mismatching of these wings and the issues that they face there, the inconsistent effort you see with this team, the trouble they have getting up for some of these smaller games, and even the injuries to a lesser degree. They have a million problems on this roster, but I thought after the Terry Roger. Uh, rumors early in the season that they were able to put all that behind them and work as a group through some of the issues towards better play and more competitiveness and they had been doing better in the weeks all the way up to that indiana game they've moved up in the standings a little bit they've moved up in the numbers certainly but things just still didn't feel 100 percent right watching this team you know gordon hayward scoring 30 against minnesota but still not completely there against other teams so things just weren't completely right, and then that surfaces, and I say, all right, maybe there's some chemistry issues here too, and that the, since those have resurfaced in the week and a half since we last talked, I'm I'm a little worried about this team, and that, that's sort of my theme for the show tonight is that it might be time to hit the panic button with them. Well, am, am I crazy to say at that point? So let's let's stay within our time frame here. This is thursday night in miami not now because now obviously my concern level is higher but at the, <laughs> at the time at that time i saw that video i i was not really concerned i mean that stuff happens all the time yeah, the only just, reason it's the only reason we saw it is because that guy had his camera rolling and i mean that stuff is on the court you had Kyrie calling out gordon hayward or in the year like this, that's just part of being on a basketball team like brad stevens says you play 82 games together during a regular season it's bound to happen and you need to be open with each other. And at shoot around in Orlando, Marcus Moore said the same thing. He's like, they got to have it out in the open and and you can be transparent to kind of bring it out of each other. You know, the the physical aspect of it was shocking. The fact that smart had to get in and separate it, but we've seen smart get into guys on the sideline this year too. And didn't think as much of it. Smart has gotten into Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown has had an issue with his defensive effort across this season. And guys like Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart, who are those gritty, hard-nosed players, they're obviously not going to like that. And, of course, they're not guys who are going to bite their tongue. They're vocal leaders. They're they're vocal teammates. And so they're going to tell them. And so I didn't have a problem with that at that point. And when we went to shoot around on Friday morning – or, I'm sorry, Saturday morning in Orlando at the Amway Center, it didn't really – Again, I still didn't really have a concern. Like they both reiterated that it was on the court, it was past it. The team seemed really loose at shoot around. They were all messing around. When at when Brad Stevens was asked about it, he talked about 
Mark is smart breaking it up. He said he took it as a positive because yeah, like, that was kind you know, of who would have ever, I thought that was hilarious. I don't think that was weird. I thought that was hilarious. Let's, <laughs> let's, play, let's, let's, let's play that clip right here. Um, I looked at it as, you know, everybody else was watching Marcus Morris and Jalen. How about smart breaking it up? Talk about growth. Holy smokes. <laughs> I thought he would be in the middle of one of those. That was pretty good. You guys all looked at it as a negative. I could not believe what I was seeing. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty funny, right? Like he is, he's taking a positive out of that because it is funny. Like a couple years ago, if you hear about a scrum in the huddle, it's probably Marcus smart, right? Yeah, I say so. That is, that is funny now that I think of it, but still, you know, I guess I can't take what happened after that away from that moment in a vacuum, but then with what comes in the next few days, it's, it, it took a it took a bad turn very quickly as they moved from Miami to Orlando, and this is a road trip that has trapped this team in the past. It's a tricky one because the Heat are a tough team, even though they're sitting in the middle of the league. They play good defense. They're well coached. Everything else, it's a tough city to visit in its own right, as we said. And then you move all the way up to Orlando, who can be a tricky team in, in the middle of the league in their own right. So it's it's a difficult road trip. But then we we get into that Orlando game, and they're playing well. The Magic are giving them some punches. They they drew some nice fouls on Aaron Gordon to take him out of his flow early on. And then once the third quarter hits, pretty much, they put in that bench unit that has had their struggles this season. And the game just starts slowly fading away from them. And it looks like so many of the losses that they've had this year where the game just slowly creeps away from them. And then all of a sudden it's out of their hands and they're trying to grasp to get it back. And that pretty much brought us back into those the final three minutes there where they had to scramble back into this game. Yeah, because I mean they led by they led by as much as twelve in that third quarter, and then they just let Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross just go to work. And that's no knock against those guys; they're two really good players. But everything that the Celtics were doing well up to that point just kind of went away, and their offense went completely stagnant. Their defense wasn't necessarily terrible. Like I, I don't like Brad Stevens said. He thought it was their best defensive game in a long time. He thought their pick and roll defense was pretty sharp. He thought they were good in transition, but in his his words exactly were that's where their haphazard offense kind of came back to bite. And you know what and, it is? It's it, it's not an indictment on Steven's system, but it is a show of how, how different these two sides were playing. Ross was pretty much just going right at the Celtics, forcing yeah. shots up, getting them off in traffic, and you know, willing his way into points. Meanwhile, the Celtics are passing it around, trying to find that perfect shot with that bench unit. You don't have your best personnel out there. And they were just fizzling off, probably passing a little bit too much and trying to find that perfect look. And that works with the starters. But when that second unit gets out there and it's Roger and it's Tice and it's just not as quality shooters across the floor. It doesn't work as well for that group. And I don't know what it is. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, Chris, but just off the eye test, that second unit has been an issue for this team here or there this year. And I don't know what it is. Is it smart moving into the starting lineup and not having his presence out there? I I think it's a lot of, at least from Terry Rozier, it looks to be he's back to the pressing aspect because he has been pretty bad the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and he was this all five road, in that Orlando game, I believe. Yeah, and he was a team low and plus minus, and his like some of the decisions he was making in that third quarter were atrocious on both sides of the ball, and his effort doesn't really seem to be there. His court vision has just completely disappeared. His discipline on both sides of the ball is gone. I don't really know what's going on there. So 
My only explanation would be to maybe he's pressing like he was earlier in the year. And so that was a huge negative. I mean, that was, that was really bad. And that's kind of where they lost him. And then it came down to that final play. Of course, you saw Kyrie in the huddle with Brad Stevens kind of try and make the adjustment. They made the adjustment. He didn't like what Gordon Hayward, you know, made uh, how Gordon Hayward made the pass to JT. Yeah. So Tatum that play, what do, you, do you think I, it I was mean, drawn off to Tatum? Yeah. Well, no, no, it definitely wasn't. That's a play where Horford flashes to the top and frees up Kyrie above the break. But again, like Gordon Hayward said after the game, he didn't, there wasn't a lot of time. And that is a time that is a play that they've run plenty of times before off the side inbound, but it takes a little time to develop. And so, so he didn't see it developing for Kyrie. So he went, he elsewhere. didn't see it. Right. And there are a couple options on that play and Tatum is one of them. And that's where he went. I think Kyrie, of course, you know, being a, the star point guard he is, he wanted the ball, which is totally understandable, but that kind of became public. He got, got up in his grill after that final, after that final shot, but he went with Tatum and you know, I, I, I don't, at the time I was pretty, uh, torn about the decision. I didn't think it was a great move by Hayward, but again, I, I see what he's saying. There wasn't a lot of time left. And so you got to kind of go with your gut there. But, um, we went into the locker room after that game and Kyrie Irving was sitting at his locker with ice on his quad and ice on his knees and just like not moving, staring off into space. Uh, it looked like he saw a ghost, honestly. And so we kind of knew that maybe we'd get something from him or we would get, you know, one word answers, but we got a whole lot more than yeah, we. absolutely. And it, we saw a preview of what it was going to be like as he stormed off the court, says a few words right. to Hayward. And then, what really stood out to me about that altercation is it just cut off in the moment and he starts walking forward and shaking his head. And at that point, all the negatives I was going to be talking about on the postgame show that night just encapsulate into a chemistry issue for me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. no, they're still not past this. It's almost half- – yeah. are they halfway through the season at this point? I, I yeah, they're, they about halfway, they're about halfway through. And it just – you're right. It just keeps resurfacing again and again. And, and every time we think – we're past those chemistry problems. They just come right on back. So then it all circulates right back to Irving, who I thought started the year so sensationally by committing long-term to this team. He's been a nice, outspoken leader for them. And more than anything, he's given them the play they need on the court on both ends of the floor as a leader. So everything I thought about his leadership performance of this year, we talked about in the Garden Report, Chris. I thought he had been the perfect leader for this squad to get them through the issues that they've had this year. And then he just put the team on blast, I thought, in that. All right. So, let, yeah, let's let's talk about this. So because it was it was it was interesting because his first couple answers were really, really short. Um, Chris Forsberg detailed out the scrum. So the first four questions, I believe it was, we got. I think 40 words from him. And then after that, the next response, we got 410. <laughs> and and how, long, how long did it take Himmels back to transcribe that one? <laughs> it was, it was a pretty impressive turnaround. Shout, shout out Adam Himmelsbach. Like he, he got that turned around and on Twitter very quickly, transcribed very quickly. I was extremely impressed. That's a prime big J move there. But the, the, I, I'm trying to paraphrase this because it was long. It was one of the longest answers I've ever seen. Well, you know what it is? I, I'll, I'll play the little portion right here that stuck out most to me. Okay. It doesn't matter who you're going against. It, it matters the type of preparation you have, what you're going out and 
of trying to accomplish. What's the big picture? What are we doing here? These are a lot of things that I don't think that um, some of my teammates have faced of just every single day. It's not easy to be great. So the things that you're doing, that you've done your whole entire career, of uh, being able to, you know, kind of coast by in certain 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 situations, and you've gotten away with your youth and stuff like that, being on a championship ball club, you can't get away with that. Irving, right there, and Keith Smith tweeted this out, Chris. Maybe implying that this group, the younger guys on this team who haven't faced it yet, don't know what it takes to win at the highest level in this league. And, and and they, I, I there was a lot of crazy reactions from this, like a lot of crazy reactions. And I was, I think I was in the minority at this point, just post game reacting to it. I had no problem with what he said. I thought, you know, everything he said was true. Everything he said was reasonable. The only thing I maybe had a problem with, and I understand people questioning is, well, why are you doing this in the media? Can't you do this behind closed doors? Do you have to call people out? And that I agree with. I'm fine with that. I don't think he should be doing that in public because I don't think that's an effective way in any profession to probably get the best out of people. It doesn't mean you don't call people out. You can totally do that behind closed doors, but doing it in front of a press scrum and what, you know, it's going to go out to millions of people. I don't think that's the best way to do it, but Going strictly off of what he said, I thought it was completely reasonable. Yeah, it wasn't a great look for Irving that night between taking taking on Hayward in front of the cameras, knowing that everything would be on him as they walked to the locker room there. Bring that inside. It's a heat of the moment thing, so he gets a little bit of leeway there, but the fashion in which they lost, how big that moment was, and the magnifying glass being on him there wasn't great and then to turn around inside the locker room after things had cooled down and taken in that direction you know he deserves a little bit of criticism for that and it it brought back the fact that I don't think so many of the ways in which this team has solved their issues or not totally solved them but mitigated their issues they haven't been permanent fixes so they've had these great stretches they have great wins against Toronto Milwaukee Indiana now this year Philadelphia the blowout on Christmas made you feel so good about this team but then they just fade back to some of these old bad habits and issues that make you say is this group ready to contend for an NBA finals as it looked they almost certainly were before the year Yeah. And I mean, he did wrap this entire long answer up with bringing it back to himself. He said, I've got to be a better leader of the team. And in doing so and making sure these guys have more experience in certain situations like this and being more communicative. So I put it on, you know, a matter of himself. He said, I put it on me of being better. And, and, and I think again, like what he said was fine. And I would be okay with him saying that behind closed doors, but just doing it in front of the media, like you said, he probably does deserve a little criticism for that. I don't think that was the best way to really go about that. I think he could have probably done a better job with that. And then, you know, he at shoot around yesterday in New York, he kind of backtracked a little bit and he, you know, the, the basics of it were, you know, sometimes I come off and I say things said, I never want to question my teammates in public like that ever again. I just want to win so badly. And And I think he was kind of, 
you know, he, he realized he might've been in the wrong. Like he said, I, I never want to question my teammates in public again. So do you think he kind of, that was him backtracking essentially? Yeah. And he, he had a nice bounce back in New York city. The team did not, as we'll get to in just a second, but yeah, he, he, he focused on the positive from what ultimately became a really bad loss to the nets in the locker room after that backtracking there sounded good from him. He takes the night off with a quad injury. So probably just, you know, a, a rest night off from him. The young guys get their spot in the moment. And, you know, Tatum had a 30-point game. Jalen Brown bounces back with the 20 points. And he has been consistently scoring 20 points off the bench for this team, which I think is a credit to him as, as far as a performance goes. But he's dealing with the inconsistency himself. The team on the net bigger level is. And they go out to a Nets team that, you know, Chris, I, I do believe that group's going to be a playoff team this year. They're an outstanding yeah, I think so offense. Too. You were at the Garden when they hit four threes in 90 seconds in the yep. earlier matchup. So they are phenomenal offense and they go out and pretty much blow the doors off the celtics in this game but then we hear from jalen brown after as an indirect response to wait real real quick real quick before before we jump to the locker room i gotta get your thoughts on this so of course we've got all the crappy stats you've got brooklyn scoring 44 points in the third quarter you have the celtics you know burying themselves in a hole they were trailing by whatever it was, uh, 27, I think, at one point in they're, the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were down 90 to 66 at one point. I'm watching that Duke Q's game, just keeping an eye on the score, and I'm like, you know, I'm watching the better game right now. Yeah, pretty pretty ugly. But um, what do you think about Brad Wanamaker? Real, just we'll hit on it real briefly because he's been pretty good, and he was pretty consistent, and this might sound crazy, but at least last night, compared to Terry Rozier over the last couple games, he was a better consistent performer on the defensive side of the ball and he was also probably more reliable on the offensive side i liked how he played against dallas a couple weeks ago he really shut jj beret off when stevens inserted him for extra minutes and that was the first time i can remember this year that he gave wanamaker extended time and he has been more of late he has a funky shot. That's the thing that gets me a little bit. The shooting form with him is a little funky, but he doesn't in, have a lot of lift on his shot. It's pretty weird. Yeah, but he's in control of the ball. He's a defender first and foremost, which I think is good and fits within this team's system. I don't think he's better than Shane Larkin as he's trying to play a similar role to what Larkin did for this group a year ago. I think this group could really use Larkin, but that's out the window at this point. So it is on Wanamaker. Should he be playing over Roger? I say no. No, for right now, because Roger has a higher upside, and you still have to get the most that you can out of him at this point if he's going to be on the team. Now, if you want to trade him, I am certainly down for that. Don't force a deal, but maybe it helps consolidate this roster a bit. Maybe you could get a you know ball handling point guard back who could help the bench. I don't know what yep. you get back for Roger at this point. I'm a hundred percent for trading him, but at this point, you got to play him and see what you can get out of him. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. And I mean, you give him a chance to earn some minutes, that that's fine. Uh, but then as you began before I interrupted you before, <laughs> before we you had a, an, yeah, before I cut you off, we had an interesting locker room experience in Brooklyn last night. Um, boy, if you want to stick, if, if you, if you want to stick with the positive first, you had Jason Tatum talking about Kyrie's comment. Uh, it's not really That's true. Uh, maybe he knows what it takes to win a championship, and uh, uh, most of us don't. And you know, sometimes you got to be good and honest in the profession uh, to get the best out of one 
So he's, you know, he's backing up Kyrie's comments, basically saying he's not trying to rip anyone apart here. He's trying to motivate guys. And sometimes being brutally honest is the way to go. And I thought that was a very solid response. I thought that was fine. He's backing up his teammate, whatever. I I thought that was cool. And I thought it was, it was pretty mature, honestly, for, for the youngest guy on the team. Jalen Brown, on the other hand, seemed to be calling out Kyrie Irving. What do you think of his comments? Yeah, it, it it concerns me a bit because when when the argument gets framed like that originally by Irving about you know some guys on this team haven't been in that position, it sort of draws a rift to me between the veterans on this team, the Smarts, the Irvings, the Morrises, and the younger guys, the Browns, the Rogers, and the Tatum's, and those are the three guys along with Hayward, of course, who have had the struggles and the inconsistency issues this year. So that rift widening isn't great to me, but it, it does bring up another question with Jalen Brown, who has been inconsistent this year, who I think has tried to make the best of his role on the bench with this group, but who I think, as you alluded to earlier in the show, has been a problem with this group. Morris having to dig into him on the sideline isn't great there. As you said, Smart has in the past. He's been defensively inconsistent with this group. And I thought Aaron Gordon really took it to him in that Orlando game. And there's nights where he's not giving you the points from the field off the bench that you need. And this is a player who going into the season we thought was going to be a mainstay in the starting lineup for years to come. He concerns me just as much as as anybody on this roster because on a team that's been inconsistent – He's sort of been the picture of inconsistency to me. So from a situation like this where he's, you know, not directly firing back at Irving a little, but pushing back just a little bit when I think you could reasonably criticize Brown's performance this year, I don't love it. Yeah, you know, I was trying to you know, a lot of times when I'm in the locker room, you can you can read the room a little bit and it didn't totally rub me the wrong way when he first said it. I went back and listened to it right afterward. It seemed like he was almost, uh, you know, I don't want to create a narrative here. I'm never trying to do that, but it really seemed like he was almost creating, he had like an agenda almost because there were questions that weren't remotely about Kyrie's comments. They were not at all related to that. And he just kept coming back to it and coming back to it, basically saying, you know, it starts at the top and we can't call each other out. Guys are going to go to their shells if we keep doing that. It starts at the top. It's not just the young guys. It's the young guys and the old guys. And I mean, yeah, and how can come you on, come on. Like, right who, back to what the original exactly, ex- exactly. Like, who else would he be talking about there? So I don't know. I didn't think that was a great look. Um, it, it definitely is not going to calm anyone's nerves going into this game on uh on wednesday tomorrow against the raptors so let's look at that what are your thoughts going into toronto tomorrow night as the raptors come to td garden i like that it's at home for sure because this team doesn't play well in toronto but it's another chance for this group to get back on track and get a quality win against a team that's playing far ahead of them in front and right now how can you look at the raptors and say anything but they're the prohibitive favor in the eastern conference they yeah. proved it early on. They've gone ahead and got an MVP caliber play out of Kawhi Leonard. They've adjusted their big men play. And the Celtics do have a quality win over them this year, but the Raptors also blew them off the court on their home court. And I feel like this year, Chris, is finally going to be the year where we see those two teams play in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I, I hope just, so. That would be a great series, honestly. It's just interesting because the Raptors overhauled their team, and they certainly seem to know who they are. The Celtics at this point still seem miles and miles away from knowing who they are, and I, I believe Jeff's going to be writing about that again, this identity issue on the Celtics team at some point. Is this team yeah. within you know, fixable limits in this season now as we get about halfway there, Chris? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I don't think... It's like, wow, the season, the season's a wash at this point. I don't think that's a concern. I think it totally is. And I think there's time to figure out a locker room. You see teams patch together locker rooms and kind of figure out their identity throughout the year. It's a long season for a reason. It's not a, it's not a 40 game season. We're not in the playoffs right now. They still have time. The urgency definitely needs to be there more. So on the court, I think that's my biggest concern they're slow to everything, like Brad Stevens said yesterday. They don't operate with any sort oh, of urgency. It's so weird to see that out of a Stevens team. Yeah, it is bizarre. And, I mean, it's not a good look. And you you can't get down 27 points every night and then expect to just run right back in. That's not the way winning works. It's not going to happen. And Tatum said that. The people, you know, players in this league are just far too good. But Jalen Brown called tomorrow night's game against the Raptors a perfect opportunity to kind of jump is. back into this. You've got... You know, the best team in the East, in my opinion, coming in, and it's a good opportunity to kind of get back on the right track. Uh, just released as we're recording this, Marcus Smart is still sick, but he's questionable. Aaron Baines has also been upgraded to questionable for tomorrow night, so getting Baines back in some sort of form would be very nice. He was going through some shooting and dribbling drills throughout the road trip, so that would be nice. That is energy that they have missed. So, Chris, yes. you will be at the Garden. Yep. And I will be out here in Syracuse watching on my TV, and we will talk to all, all right. of you soon. That is Havlicek, Stole the Pod. Number two, we get streams coming on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere that you can think of within the next episode or two, I can imagine. But for now, check us out on CelticsBlog.com and stick with us just about every week here. Good night and enjoy the game. <laughs>